Podcast. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westcott demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Air Wesley. And today we're discussing a movie from 2023, Money Shoe. Was that a play on Moneyball? Yeah. That was Brad Pitt. This is Ben Affleck. Yeah, this is Ben Affleck's best basketball movie. Only tangentially related to basketball. Oh, because you're comparing it to, was it? The Way Home or? (laughs) The Way Back. See, it made a memorable impression on you. (laughs) That was the Counting Crows, this movie. (laughs) Yep. And Air is the tracksuit wearing his ball-hugging, short, red high-top, this movie. I want my, I want my MTV. Can we just start there, please? MTV? What did you think about all the needle drops? Um, it was a lot. It was like a saturation. Media, not only movies, but music and, and all the products, commercials, fashion, all that stuff. It was an onslaught. It was. And I felt like they didn't even attempt to make the music work in a scene or <laughs> necessarily match it up thematically. That's not the way it works, man. When you're driving someplace in the 80s, you turn on the radio and you get what you get. And we got everything. But Matt Damon's in the car and they're playing the music like soundtrack and not diegetically. Like they didn't even try to make it organic. Oh, you got the rights or whatever. There was some stuff that Ben Affleck definitely wanted in the movie that, that, that just would have blown the budget up. Unlike the Air Jordan deal, they spread their money to get as many 80s references and, and pop songs as possible rather than going with the single hard-hitting entity that would have defined the era. You mean Michael Jordan? Yep. I'm just saying they got a lot of songs instead of the couple of songs that Ben Affleck wanted because those were too expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like Ben Affleck got the 80s package and was like, cool, I'll just take that as opposed to cherry pick specific cues that really match up thematically or like enhance and propel my story. You know what was interesting is that only Ben Affleck looked ridiculous Everybody else was dressed normally. Like, I actually, I got a pretty decent 80s feel for this because he was the only one in the absurd jogging outfits and the wraparound mirrored sunglasses and stuff. Were they trying to make some point about Phil Knight trying too hard? Everybody looked normal enough, so it didn't look crazy out of place. It only came down to Ben Affleck's ridiculous suits, stupid sunglasses, and that crazy Prince car. Oh, his purple rain car? Yep. Jason Bateman was um, swimming a little bit. He's looking skinnier these days. Yeah. Matt Damon, not so much. But supposedly he wore a fat suit. Oh. And Jason Bateman, not. Jason Bateman, not so much. But he was, you know, only one year into the divorce. You know, he was probably still recovering. Yeah. He was probably just a little lovesick and overworked. Viola Davis, however, in rare form. Is she in rare form? Because she seems like this is her jam. Maybe the best actress of her generation. Actor. Whatever. I mean, talk about gravitas. She brought a bunch of gravitas to Dolores Jordan. Her tone was very even. She didn't really emote. There was no snot. Just quiet power. She was so confident she didn't ever feel the need to, to raise her voice. You see that in contrast to Ma Rainey in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And man, she just she knows how to get it across. 
And by no snot, you're, of course, referring to the crying Viola Davis, where yeah. she ends up being all snotty. She does that stuff and does it well. She was all about that and fences. I felt that the restraint, the power was in the restraint for this one. Did you appreciate or at least find necessary Chris Tucker's context for black family matriarchs? Um, not necessarily. I mean, that was a really awkward meeting. Make no mistake, there were a few scenes that were really awkward, and I wasn't really sure why how they fit. I wondered if they just let Chris Tucker go off. That one, and every time that Michael Jordan's agent was in a scene, I wasn't exactly sure what was happening. Like, they were both pretty erratic. The David Falk character? Yeah. He was, he was present in every pitch, and he had a number of phone calls with Matt Damon. The whole time you were like, what's happening? I don't know if they were friends or if they hated each other or if he was on drugs or what. He might have been on like 80s grade coke. I was told that Jay Moore was unrecognizable in this. We literally said those words. Then did you not recognize him when he was on screen? And then I <laughs> I did not recognize him so much that for half the movie I thought that he was the David Falk character. <laughs> Yeah, we had to go back. Was this just an homage to Jerry Maguire or is it because of his other basketball relations? I don't know. There was some Jerry Maguire in this movie, too, though. I don't know. Maybe just, yeah, maybe this was just a glorified throwback cameo moment. Do you know who Jay Moore is engaged to? Nope. Bum, bum, bum. Jeannie Buss. Really? Oh, well, that makes sense in a basketball sense, but that's kind of it. I wonder if he was, like, advising on this or something. He must be a big sports guy. He, maybe, but I don't know. The uh, The Lakers and the Bulls, not exactly friends at that time. <laughs> no. Are you following the Western Conference Finals? I am, to an extent. The Lakers brought down the Almighty Warriors, and that is quite a feat. Even if they don't go any farther, they did a magnificent thing in taking down uh, pretty much the number one team in the Western Conference. Have I told you about my sports and entertainment theories? No. About how, like, I Love Lucy fans were mutually exclusive to Star Trek fans? But all still under the Lucille Ball banner? Were they? Yeah. Lucille Ball greenlit Star Trek as the head of Desilu. She's responsible for Star Trek. Was Star Trek produced under Desilu? Uh-huh. Originally. Weird. Well, I used to think that entertainment folk and sports folk were mutually exclusive, even though there's so much overlap. I'm just saying it takes a lot of time to follow movies and the players that make up movie making, which you do pretty well. But isn't it basically just the same as people who follow sports and know stats and players and player moves and player deals and stuff? Absolutely. It is. And it's a living, breathing thing. I mean, Jack Nicholson has been a fan of the Lakers and has been courtside for 30 plus years. Nobody from that organization exists in today's organization. You know, it's just you follow the idea of a team and you follow the idea of movies and genres and thing, but it's all subjective and it's all ever changing and you have to keep up. Um, very few movies do it well. Let's put it that way. It's either for the love of the game type movies where you have to be a, a baseball fan or a basketball fan or a football fan, or it's not going to make sense. And then you get other movies that are like gateway drugs for me, like Moneyball or A League of Their Own or Air, which are sort of sports movies or Jerry Maguire, but aren't really, you know? You're right. Air is sports Jason. I never knew that they were talent scouts for athletic apparel and equipment companies. You know, does a person with the talents of Sonny Vaccaro belong in a Nike organization? Or should he be working for a franchise, a, a sports franchise? In the same way that uh, that Brad Pitt's character in Moneyball doesn't really belong 
I don't think, with the Boston Red Sox. He needs an organization that's fledgling, that's the underdog, who can show up and really shake up what is, in this case, the sneaker wars. It's all product placement and trying to get the right person in your shoes. The uniform Adidas that were so pervasive in the NBA, like the official shoe of the NBA, didn't sell a fraction of the shoes that Jordan sold when it was the brand was based around him. Because everyone had Adidas. It's all the same thing. Or Converse or whatever. They're all the same shoe? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the same shoe with minor variations or whatever. Still at least 51% white and not didn't have anybody's name on them. Now everybody's got their, their shoe, their name on a shoe. <laughs> right. So they pioneered something special. Presumably because of the deal they made in air. And Rob Strasser got his credit for saying that the shoe isn't anything until someone steps into it, right? Sonny Vaccaro had to make sure to fit that into his his speech, even though he completely interrupted Rob Strasser's marketing video. Was that just a highlight reel? The music was off. The presentation was scattered. I guess Sonny's speech was compelling. But You're I talking think that specifically about the presentation video, though, right? The presentation video that Jason Bateman's team had just like whipped up over the weekend. Yeah, but not air as a whole. Oh, no, no. You know, I, I did. I felt the same way, but I think we were meant to. And until that moment, we didn't really know that this was out of play. It felt off or it didn't have the hope in the drive or, OK, we're going to we're going to lock down Jordan today. I literally paused at that moment and I was like, this is not how they should be pitching him. Sonny should have gone to Mrs. Jordan and said all the things that he was telling Jason Bateman, you know, like, hey, this kid, he is calm and relaxed. He knows the ball is coming to him. He is going to change the game and all, et cetera. That's what she, he should have said to her. This is not the way to do it. And I went to the bathroom and came back and he's like, he turned off the video and he's like, this is not the way to do it. Listen, I believe in your son and he's going to change the game and blah, blah, blah. And he said exactly all those things. So I was happy that I was justified in being like, this is not the way. Because that's what he hears all day long in the sales pitches, right? He gets nice, tidy mm -hmm. videos of him shooting and, and colorful shoes and girls and, you know. Red Mercedes Benzes. Red Mercedes Benz 380 SL. I was a little worried about Air as a movie that this might be a white person success story exploiting black people yeah the, the white savior who sees the light and gets the underdog uh the minority underdog and then corners a market but when when you talk about michael jordan getting 400 million passive income per year on the most successful athletic line of the of all his of all time i think that that's a pretty big win <laughs> well yeah and four billion a year every year to this day for nike for the jordan line I was confident because I had heard at one point that Michael Jordan still draws $100 million from the Jordan brand, which makes him fantastically wealthy. But $400 million a year? I don't see how that's possible. Passive income. Yeah. It's just, it's astounding. <laughs> it's crazy. And and that, knowing what a, what a superstar he's been for decades and decades, right? We're coming up on four decades since his uh, rookie year. And it's crazy to think... Michael Jordan and they're like what he's not even like the top draft pick or whatever the the idea that Jordan would be a revelation for a product placement thing that he would be an the underdog that I talked about right exactly how many deals did they make how many bets did they make on ball players who never panned out a lot this is just the gamble that paid off yeah and paid off in such a way that it propelled Nike to basically number one. Yep. It was uh, a little fledgling movie company called New Line Cinema betting it all on Freddy Krueger. <laughs> In movie parlance. Like you don't really know 
There's no precedent. The one horror movie that made it was the house that Freddie built. And Nike is definitely the house that Jordan built. For sure. I was at the zoo yesterday and it was everywhere. Like the moment I walked in, there was like a four-year-old kid in a shirt that said Air Jordan on the front and the back. Okay, so should we talk about the compulsory Ben Affleck Matt Damon collaboration? I think this is their ninth collaboration, either before, behind or in front of the cameras, either starring, directing, whatever the case. They've worked together multiple times and Air is the first offering from their new production company. So supposedly when they abandoned the McDonald's movie, they did Air instead. Like this would have been the McDonald's movie because they were looking for this 80s nostalgic caper type movie. All right. Well, look at it this way. Air is pretty heartwarming. I think the tagline was, this movie makes you want to fly. And I was like, this movie, this Moneyball looking movie where you're like, instead of being in the bowels of the stadium, you're like in some random office in Beaverton, Oregon. And, uh, you know, how much opportunity do we have for MTV and Porsches and wraparound sunglasses and music and stuff? There's not even Michael Jordan in the movie. But maybe this has the feel-good sensibility also that they were looking for. The what sensibility? The feel-good sensibility. And also it was a hell of a cast. Yeah, it really was. Interesting choice in Jason Bateman. Nah, he's, he's really smart. And a total sweetheart. I felt like he was the stakes in this movie. The Rob Strasser character is the stakes, because what else would have been? I mean, you lose the deal. That's what happens in business. Sonny has nothing to live for but his job, and he's betting it all so that he can keep his job. Yep. Spoken like a man without a seven-year-old daughter on a Sunday afternoon. Right. We got nothing for Sonny. No women, no men, no family, no kids, nothing. about. Like, Do we even see him go home? I think he lived at that office. Once and he does the money ball, like watching the VS VCR, like play by plays all night, the takeout. Right. Whereas Jason Bateman's character was that thing about the daughter. I was like, oh man, here we go. It's going to be a glimpse. It was a really good glimpse. Just this idea that he's giving his daughter shoes that he gets free from work so she'll love him. I think that was very contemporarily aware and well-written and not kind of sugarcoating the, the I'm so happy that I can't stop crying dad for like the 80s era. I don't know, man. That was, it was touching in a weird way that's desperate and pathetic, but also really real, it felt like to me. Hmm. That was the stakes. It was because Sonny's best friend was the, was the 7-Eleven clerk and Phil <laughs> Knight was, <laughs> Phil right. Knight was just a, a character that they made silly for some reason. I think it had something to do with Ben Affleck, with this being a Ben Affleck movie and him taking like playful jabs at himself to make it seem like he was on equal footing as all of his other cast members. You know, yeah. the David Falk character is despicable and they go out of their way <laughs> to talk about how alone he is. Yeah. Ate by himself. Yeah. That he ate by himself after selling his company for a hundred million dollars. Apparently, in real life, he is the one who reached out to Jordan, that uh, Sonny never went to the Jordan home and, and showed up unannounced. Who went? That Falk uh, contacted Jordan and pitched the idea of the shoe to him. Wait, Sonny never went? Correct. What? I don't want to mess up the feel-good feel, man. That's a, was quite a liberty to take here. And as, as weird and, and, and funny-looking as Ben Affleck was, unashamedly, and like when he had his feet up, you're like, ew. But that the, the picture of the dude really with, with his feet up. And maybe he didn't look <laughs> just like him, but he was definitely a weirdo dude with funny oh, hair, sure. like, like a shock of blonde hair and feet up on the desk. Yeah, like eccentric entrepreneurs who sell shoes out of the back of their car need to be. 
and so have you heard the story about casting uh, where Ben Affleck is, is trying to get in with Michael Jordan, by whom he feels really intimidated. And it's like, you know, so what do you think? Trying to get his input and try to get him on board, emotionally invested. And who should play your mom? And he's like, Viola Davis has to play my mom. And Ben Affleck's like, oh, okay. Jordan says this? Right. That character that has two lines in the movie? I guess we should beef that up. So they rewrote the script to flesh out her character. And he made no secret. He's like, I really want you to do this movie. But also Michael Jordan wants you to do this movie. And I said that Viola Davis is the Michael Jordan of this movie. Literally, she is the Jordan of this movie because she's a Jordan. And then I watched a bunch of interviews and stuff and everybody said the exact same thing. Well, she's literally, she plays Dolores Jordan, but like, as in she's the hero of this movie? Yeah, it's a little tiny small movie that has Viola Davis and just ramps it up. Okay, I don't disagree, but shouldn't they have just made it about the parents then? Weren't the Austin Powers level hiding of young Michael Jordan's face kind of silly? It was. It was very, it was frustrating and distracting. Very distracting. Like you could have been like Michael's at camp or Michael's at practice or whatever. Or you don't get to meet Michael until we have a deal. And which, which we kind of did. But to have him continually turn away when everybody's greeting and shaking hands, I get the aloofness or the disdain for Nike and they carefully placed all of those seeds, planted them as early as possible. So we don't expect a lot of uh, out of him. But it was almost like, okay, how are they going to mask him in this situation? And I get it. Ben Affleck didn't want to cast someone who he'd be like, that's not Michael Jordan. And it would throw off the illusion in, in its entirety. But this was equally, if not more, distracting. And so just make it about the amazing Viola Davis. Dude, didn't you see what happened when they made it about the parents of superstars? Didn't you see King Richard? Our discussion available at orwhatevermovies.com. But instead, we got all the white dudes who run Nike. And that was very confusing. And we had the Sonny, Danny, Nutsack, nibbling conversation. That was confusing. <laughs> and really, it all came in all the posturing, all the yelling, all the like positioning and trying to get to one up the other shoe company or whatever. Then you just sit down at Viola Davis's picnic table. And she just breaks you down and, and the facade falls away. Yeah. So when he's talking about nibbling on the nutsack, he's actually talking about something bad, right? Yes. Because apparently chimps, they will go directly for the nuts and they will bite off your hands to incapacitate you and render you ineffectual as a weapon. They'll bite off your hands and then they'll attack your genitals? I think they go for the nuts first and then they bite off your hands. So when two dudes are threatening to harm each other... They're going to go right for the nuts. The nibbling was weird, which is why I'm saying it's weird, because I think that the Danny character was on drugs. The David Falk agent character, kind of bizarre. He is the primary antagonist of this film. And it's that's why it's so surprising to me that he was the one who championed the Nike proposition to the Jordan family. I think it's a little unfair to him. And he was just kind of a gross, inappropriate, like, onslaught of a character and you know what what my response was to his character what's that to go and watch jerry Maguire. jerry Maguire. because somehow um i just wanted more of this competitive sports world you wanted more of it did you want jay more of it wow jay moore is so awful in, Mer in jerry Maguire. yeah that's another discussion for another film review some people are calling this a return to form for Ben Affleck directing. He directed Live by Night uh, about six, seven years ago. That wasn't very well received. And this one, at least it's an odd, it's a crowd pleaser. 
It hasn't made a tremendous amount of money. I think it's broken even, and now it's on Prime Video. What did you think of Ben Affleck's directing? We talked about the saturation of 80s stuff, and I thought that it was going to be shot in a very 80s, deliberately 80s style. I thought he was going for a very 80s aesthetic with like star wipes and 80s cues and stuff. And I thought that was the case until we until we got the incessant gray man drone shots over the parking lots and the cars. What did you think in particular of you're looking for a nostal 80s nostalgia throwback? What did you think of Sonny pitching the Jordans in the Nike conference room and flashing forward to his real life future? We can talk specifically on that device. But first, I love Ben Affleck as a director, and Argo kind of gave me Ben Affleck as an actor. And then I went back and I reviewed The Town, which I also loved. I didn't see Live by Night. I know that Ben Affleck has had a somewhat turbulent personal life, but I was really happy to see him step behind the camera again for air. Um, That scene in particular was pretty moving and added a lot of validity to what Sonny was saying. But I felt like that scene, in addition to many others, um, Ben Affleck got a little bit in the way. You know, I talked about having watched Jerry Maguire right after Air, and Cameron Crowe is invisible in that movie, even though you know that he's all over it. When Sonny and Phil Knight and the Rob Strasser character are in Phil Knight's office and they're like, and, he, and they're doing the, the 360 degree tracking shots. Yeah, the roving dolly shot in the conference yeah, room. Yeah, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I, it, I just felt like it was um, Ben Affleck calling a little bit too much attention to himself. Huh. I mean, yeah, he called attention to himself, his character in the movie, too, where they were like, yeah, come on in like you're, you're the most important dude in the room and not the Jordans. And it just felt awkward and wrong, like not the way to sell them. I don't know. I always feel like when it comes to presentations like this, because uh, what we're talking about right now is the showmanship of the directing style. You know, I think it's in line with that character where it needs to be earnest and not flashy and not drawing attention to yourself or to your art necessarily to be invisible and to let the characters and the story tell the story, tell itself. Um, you know, you just instead of faking late. He should have come into the scene and just appealed to them. Like, look, I'm, I'm here as the head of Nike because I, I want you to know that I've been convinced that we need to go all in on your son. That's it. It's Jordan or nothing for Nike. And we're putting forward an offer that we can't afford because that's what we what we believe. We believe in him. And it would have been so much more effective than the rigmarole of yeah. him trying to convince them that, oh, I was in a really important meeting, but I stepped in here just for you. And that I am the CEO of this company and my time's really valuable. Like that was right. So this company, which awkward. is worth five hundred million dollars or <laughs> yes. whatever it was he said. <laughs> like oh, what man. are you doing? Was it intended to just be really awkward? Was the whole first half of that movie, even Chris Tucker's little sidebar talking about white people people running in the rain, like was that all intended to just be off key? I think so, but not in a like, oh my God, it's so crazy, I can't look away. I'm not sure that those were great moments. It made it seem like the air TV edit for me would be really easy to do. Look, we got to cut time for commercials. I got you, dog. I know exactly what to cut out. Some funky choices. Maybe both Ben Affleck's directing and character were a little too colorful. But ultimately, it sounds like air was a success for you. 
it was. There were some awkward turns. It's definitely some awkward scenes. Phil, the Ben Affleck character, is suddenly good guy Phil after being the aloof money guy. He's like, no, just do it. Yeah, whatever it takes. Now you're the boss. You know, you are the captain now. It was weird that they never said how much Jordan would receive. And of course, we didn't know, have any idea of how much he was getting until the epilogue, the cards. But uh, they didn't negotiate. You know, she was being a hard ass and like he gets a piece of the shoe, every shoe sold. But they didn't say how much. Kelly Ray is like, how much? How much, though? You know, it's not a dangerous precedent if it's only theoretical. But if they make $4 billion and he makes $400 million, then I think we have a pretty good idea of what the percentage is. We do, like a half an hour later or whatever afterwards. And so, and then there was lots and lots and lots of words at the end. Too many words. Like, I'm a super fast reader, I think. Even I was a little bit nervous launching into card after card that I was missing something. Like, I want to make sure I get it all in. I don't know how many of these there are. Yeah, there's basically one for every character. Right, which there are a lot. But I, I felt the feels. I was elated or whatever. And this is what Ben Affleck said. You remember when I said that he wants to make like certain engaging films now, ones that are like that hit close to the heart and are more emotionally resonant? This is very much in that line. It's a small movie. The Way Back was also an Amazon original. And he wants to make feel-good kind of movies and movies that move you even though they're small and just dudes talking in a bar or dudes talking in an office in Beaverton, Oregon. When you saw the first Jordan, which they hid from us for a good long while, when they unveiled the first shoe at the meeting, were you like... <gasps> like all Game Boy style? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty even today it's a pretty sick looking shoe yeah like i i almost got brian jordan's for his 44th birthday man but i opted for fans and it's part of pop culture it's just i have jordan's and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about it was the best movie about michael jordan and the best movie about Jordan that didn't have Jordan in it. I, I too, tried to attribute uh, importance to the song choices. I was like, oh, this is going to be relevant. And you see Adidas has Run DMC because, of course, they have a song called My Adidas. And then Converse has The Clash? That's weird. Okay. And I was trying to make these connections because I was there. And I guess in the general, all that stuff happened in the 80s since, it all worked fine for me, but I was trying to ascribe meaning to even the weirdest conversations. The nutsack nibbling, I was like, this is awfully specific and going on for a long time. How is this going to play in again like the car? And it didn't, but I was happy and I was, and it was fun. And I think that everybody justified their position in this movie, Ben Affleck included. I think that Jason Bateman was an essential and a good addition to this movie. I don't remember the name of his character. I just know that I liked that dude. And I liked the stages that Sonny had to go through to get approval for what he believed was the best gut instinct of all time or whatever. Yeah. Man on a mission, willing to bet yep. the farm. Kind of hard to say no to Sonny. He really didn't have any he really didn't have anything to lose. And in a way, it's kind of a loose parallel for Ben Affleck. Like Ben Affleck's a tremendous talent and I don't think he's got a ton to lose like he can just go for it go and go for his feel-good movies and i think he made a pretty decent one i guess with air i i don't know that i'm that i want to fly but i enjoyed air <laughs> and um definitely give it a good well if you're like matt damon you can't even jog at the end of this movie yeah have you tried to run yeah no why it's miserable people are like my thing is cross-country running okay <laughs> um so your final rating is 
Uh, I liked Air for what it was. I didn't want it to end. I was happy to be in that world. And I was having fun because Matt Damon is engaging to watch. Ben Affleck is great. Seeing them together is fun. The amazing Viola Davis. Sure, Chris Tucker. Sure, Jason Bateman. It's all fun and great. Uh, Jay Moore. It's weird. But would definitely give it an all right rating. A little weird in parts. But they said they had fun. They said that it was the most fun. Matt Damon said it was the most fun he's ever had making a movie. And he mourned that process when it was over. And that comes through, I think, in a way that maybe it didn't for The Way Back or whatever, because this is not necessarily serious subject matter. At its best, it's kind of the underdog story, uh, success story. And at its worst, at its most serious, it's about money and uh, and not really much more than that. So weird to think of Nike as being an underdog. Yep. They were like the Jamaican bobsled team of the uh, athletic shoe market. Was that a Cool Runnings reference? Is there any other Jamaican bobsled team? <laughs> <laughs> good to see ben affleck behind the camera and i guess in front of the camera again in air and that's our discussion on air available on amazon prime and the other discussions we referenced at or whatevermovies.com or wherever you got this podcast if you enjoyed this discussion let us know 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com and give the or whatever movies podcast a five-star rating why because it helps people find us and we're trying to make 400 million in not so passive income for producing this podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Acid Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.